Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Glory. Hallelujah. How many people want to be pleasing to God? We all want to live a good life. Now, of course, a lot of people have a lot of different definitions or a lot of different ideas about what is good. There's a lot of folks out there doing a lot of things that uh, are very destructive, and yet they feel like they are doing a good thing. There are people convinced that they are doing good things while doing damage to other people's lives. And then there's people that are doing good things that don't appear to be damaging or hurting anybody, but yet it is still not the kind of good that God has called us to. And what kind of good has God called you to? He's called you to God. That's the good. Because only God is good. Right? Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, only God is good. And so the good that you and I are after is God. We just want God. And if you're not going after God, you're not going after good. Because only God is good. So there's a lot of folks that look like they're doing good. You know, there's folks countering what looks evil. That people that are doing the evil think is good. And so people are countering that, and you'd say, yeah, that is good. That is evil. That is good. But if it's not God, it's not good. Because only God is good. Only God is good. But this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, where there were two trees, There was the tree of life, and there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve, they chose to partake of the tree that God told them not to partake of, which was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God had warned them that that the day they eat of that tree, they would surely die. And that is when death entered in. To the creation. And remember, Eve, when she stood before that tree, she looked at it and saw that it was a tree that was good for food and pleasant to the eyes, and a tree that would make somebody wise. She only saw all the good that was in the tree, but it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So she didn't see the evil until after. She reached for what seemed good. And once she partook of the good, she immediately had her eyes open to evil. Because this good is rooted in the same thing that evil is rooted in. It is rooted in the nature of the devil. It is the devil's nature. And so a lot of folks reach for the good... Instead of God. Good has become a counterfeit to God. 
And that's the greatest deception concerning good. Is that people think, you know, they're doing good. They're doing all right, you know. They're being wise. They're being smart. They're being pleasing. All the things that Eve saw when she looked at that tree. It was good. It was pleasing. It makes somebody wise. And so there's folks that, you know, they think that they're being good. They're being pleasing to God. And and they're acting wisely. But they're partaking of the nature of the devil. They're following the devil. They're following the wicked one. And it is going to lead to death. It always leads to death. But ever since Adam and Eve partook of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, mankind has had this hunger to know what is good, what is right, what is pleasing, and to know this wisdom that is of this world, and to know what is evil and to condemn it. All mankind have that in them. And unfortunately, for many Christians, it's the same way. It's not supposed to be, but for many Christians, it's the same thing. A lot of Christians are still seeking to do the right thing. They're seeking to do good. They're seeking to be pleasing to God each and every day. Like I said, mankind hungers for this knowledge of what is right, what is good, what is pleasing, what's acceptable, and what's wrong, what is evil. Every day, people are asking that question. Should I do this? Should I do this? What is right? No, I believe that's wrong. I I shouldn't go there. I shouldn't do this. I should do this. I know I'm supposed to do that. But, you know, I just... I just never seem to do the good that I want to do. And the evil that I don't want to do, that's the thing I end up doing. And so people that, you know, have this daily concern because this knowledge of good and evil is their daily bread. Going all the way back to the garden when Adam and Eve first ate of it. Now it is something man craves. Man hungers to do the right thing. But God is not asking you to do the right thing. God's not asking you to seek what is good and right and pleasing in his sight. God is asking you and I to seek him. To seek him. To know him. God wants us to draw near to him. Get to know him. Remember, man was never supposed to partake of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It never should have been a concern of his. And for Adam and Eve, it wasn't a concern until they partook of the tree, which God said, don't do it. But after they did it, that's when... Everything they did now was overshadowed by their conscience telling them what's right and what's wrong. Rather than just being overshadowed and wrapped up in God. Because that's where they were in the beginning. They were just wrapped up in God. They were just caught up in Him. So there was no need to know the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do. Because if you abide in Him... You're always going to produce 
pure good. Because God is purely good. He's pure goodness. There's no evil in him. So he comes to us. And now through the new birth, you and I can abide in him. Just like Adam and Eve did in the very beginning. In the same way Adam and Eve walked through the garden. Didn't have a care in the world. Didn't have a care in the world. That's where you and I ought to be. Just following God. Just obeying him. Just being led by him. Following his instructions. Just looking to him. Being close to him. Not just trying to use the Bible to gain the knowledge of what is right and wrong. Because now you're going back to what carnal, fleshly man craves after. The knowledge of what is right and what is wrong. You and I hunger and thirst for him. He is the living water that we drink. He is the bread of life that we eat. He's the one that we want to consume. He's the one that we want to feast on, partake of. And by doing that, his life flows out of us and he begins to establish our thoughts and direct our steps. He wants to, he wants to order your every move. That's why over in Galatians, the apostle Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. How many people know the devil can possess people? The devil can possess people. Now, God will never possess you, but he will partner with you if you will yield yourself to him. And you are the silent partner in this business. <laughs> you know what a silent partner is? You know, two people go into business together and uh, the one guy's got the money and the other guy's gonna run the thing and he's got some money, but he can't buy the business without this other guy. And the other guy says, I don't have time to run the business, but I, I would like to have that as my business. And, and so they come together in a partnership and the one guy that invests the money, he just goes ahead and goes back to Florida. While the other guy that invested in it is now working it every day. Well, that's how it is with you and I. You and I are in a partnership with God, and we are the silent partners. We're just on vacation in God. We're just resting in Him in our retirement, the retirement of faith. You understand, when you get into faith, you have retired. You've retired of your own works. It's no longer your works. It's no longer you. It is now him that is doing the work in and through you. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. But many times we forget about God completing this thing. And now you and I as born again Christians rise up and start taking the word of God and partaking of it as though it is the tree of a knowledge of good and evil that's going to teach us the right way to behave today and what we're supposed to do today when actually the word of God is just to bring us to him and help us to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. See, we get in the word and we learn of him and it brings us to him. We don't want to just get the word and go. 
No, we want the word to get us and bring us to him. But you see, a lot of folks have that back because they don't recognize it because they're still operating according to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil like the rest of the world. But we're not to be like the rest of the world. We're to be like God. We're to be like God. Well, how do you be like God? Well, you study hard. And you learn about what God does. And then you endeavor with everything you have to go out there and imitate him and act like him. No. Now, there's some scripture that will maybe sound like that is correct. But that's not it. You're not to sit here, study, and figure out how to be like God. You are to get in the word, learn of him, yield to him, and let God be God in and through your life. Friend, I got news for you. You're not God. I got got some more news for you. No matter how much you study and read the word and pray and do what the things that you do, you're never going to be like God. You're never going to be like him through your works. But he will be like him through you. How many of you know God has no problem being God? So why don't we just let God be God through us? I remember years back, you know, I was getting a little anxious about something. It was actually about ministering. And, uh, and the Lord spoke to my heart. He spoke to my heart. He said, you be a good Stevie and I'll be a good God. You don't try to be me. And I won't try to be you. I said, that's a deal. <laughs> Praise God. That's a deal, Lord. I can do that. I can be a good me. I can be, I can be me right now. Now, if I have to be like God, please come back later. Because I'm not ready. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not ready to be like God yet. I've got to go pray some more. I've, I've, got, I've, got to, I've got to study some more. I've got to, because I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to be like God. But if you say, all you got to do is be like you. Okay. Well, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me as me. But don't let me go without you. That's what Moses said. He said, don't let us go without your presence. In fact, we're not going to go without your presence. You've got to be with us before going into that promised land. You've got you've to be with us. See, God doesn't just send us apart from him. No, no, no. He sends us to go be us, be who you are, and let God be who he is through you. So this is why so many people in the world are having an identity crisis. See, because everybody's trying to be the right thing. Everybody's trying to be the right thing. Everybody's looking around going, you know, he seems like right, and you know, she seems good. Maybe I'll follow them a little bit. And, and we're all trying to figure out how we're supposed to be and who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to act by looking around at everybody else and, of course, reading our Bible. And so there we are trying to be right, trying to be good, trying to be pleasing in God's sight and many times in man's sight, just wanting to be right. So people are striving and working and wearing themselves out. 
just trying to be something that they're not yet. And they will work and work and work and strive and strive and strive throughout their whole life to get to that place where they're that something that they're not yet. And they'll never get there because it's not who they are. They're trying to be something that they're not and they'll never be good at it. Because it's not who they are. But if you'll be who you are, you can do that now. And you can rest and say, praise God, I've arrived. I have arrived. I have arrived. I have arrived at being me. Someone says, you can't say that, that you've arrived. I can't. I can say I've arrived at being me. I'm me. Now, I can't say I've arrived at being the best at yielding to him and completely surrendering to him, but that's what I'm working towards. I'm working towards surrendering me to him. Just surrendering me to him, but first you've got to know you. Before you can surrender you to him, you've got to know who you are. And you are exactly who you are, right there in that chair, right there. That's who you are. You just found yourself tonight. You don't have to get in a car and get in a boat and go across the country out to California to find yourself. In fact, you wouldn't want to go out to California right now because they're shutting everything down, bless God. But anyhow, you don't have to go anywhere to find yourself. That's what happens. See, everybody goes to California to try to find themselves. And then what happens? The whole thing shuts down. What a mess. What a mess. No, thank God. Thank God. We don't have to find ourselves. We just found ourselves. You don't have to pray another prayer to be exactly who you are. Right? We don't have to sing another song for you to be exactly who you are. Now, just as you are, come as you are to him and yield to him. And let him be God in and through your life. Let him think through your thoughts, speak through your lips, direct, order your steps. Let Christ live in you. Somebody say, it's no longer I. But it's Christ who lives in me. I remember first starting out, you know, read that scripture. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I thought, bless God, man, oh man, I'd love to get like Paul the Apostle and reach that place. You know, reach that, reach that plateau where it's no longer. That's not what he's saying. You see, again, we're trying to treat it like a place to attain to. You know, we got to work towards it. We got to get to that place where it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives. In me. No, that's, that's the way it is right now. Yield to it. Just yield to it. You can't earn it. You can't work your way into it. But you can believe it. You can believe that it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. You can believe that. And if you believe that, then you yield to it. By believing, you're yielding. And he's being everything he said he would be in and through your life. So say it. Say it's no longer I who live, but Christ Who lives in me. Hallelujah. So no longer are we seeking the knowledge 
of good and evil as our daily bread. Jesus is our daily bread. God is our daily bread. He's the one that we feed upon. Jesus over at John, the sixth chapter. Why don't you turn there tonight with me? John chapter six. You know, the Bible says, we just quoted it. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. But then there's another scripture that says how you are complete in Christ. That we are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. That's what the Bible says. So here, there's one scripture that says you're complete in him. Complete. I mean, when it says complete, that means you're done. You're complete in him. See, in him you're complete. But then he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And so I was looking at that one, and I thought, well, I know the Word of God doesn't contradict itself, so I'm trying to understand that. You know, here you're saying I'm completing you, but here you're saying that you're, you're going to finish the work that you've completed in me. You know, you've got to finish that work that you completed in me. And the Lord spoke to my heart, and he showed me that he's completing the work of helping me to see that I'm complete in him. See, that's the work he has to complete, is the work of causing us to know that we're already complete. That's what he's doing tonight. You're already complete in him, but now he's trying to show you that. He is showing you that, in fact. He's showing you that you are complete in him. And you think about complete. Somebody says, nobody's perfect. Is God perfect? Where is he? He's in you. When? Now. Nobody's perfect. God's perfect. God's in you. Can you yield to God? If you do, you're perfect. Complete. Entire. Lacking nothing. See, all you've got to do is rest in this reality. You're complete. You're already perfect. Now, you're not perfect in understanding and knowing that, but we're getting there. We're getting our minds renewed to the Word of God, and we're growing in revelation. Revelation of who we are in Him, who He is in us. See, we're growing in that. We're growing in our understanding. It's all part of getting the the outer man, the soul, the mind saved, bringing it into subjection to the new creation that we are on the inside. On the inside, we're one with Him. Now we just got to live life in the Spirit. Not live our lives in the flesh, but live our lives in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Following the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit of God. And friend, it's perfect. Perfect. That's why Jesus said over in Matthew 7, if you hold your place in John 6, in talking about walking in love... Here he's talking about not worrying and seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. What is his righteousness? What is his righteousness? Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, is our righteousness from God. He is our righteousness. So seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness. Seek Jesus. Seek the Lord. Again, it's all about knowing him. See, this is about a relationship. This isn't just about an education. This isn't just about getting knowledge of something that's going to change your life. This is getting hold of someone that's going to transform your life. See, there's a big difference between a changed life and a transformed life. A lot of people live their life in a way that changes people's lives. They do a lot of good things, a lot of good things, and they change people's lives externally. They affect people's behavior. They affect what people experience in life. And man is able to change his outward behavior. But only the spirit can change the heart. I got news for you. You're more than an outward person. You are a spirit being. You are an eternal being. And your spirit is the most important part of your being. Most important part of your being. Yet that's the part that is mostly neglected in the world. And in much of the church world. Among many Christians. Again, a lot of folks are focused on fixing the outer shell. Fixing their behavior. And so man can be outwardly good while inwardly evil. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 7.11, 7.11, he said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? Notice, if you being evil give good gifts. So you have good works, You do good things, but inwardly, you're evil. And Jesus was saying that to all the people of his day. And no doubt, there were some good dads there, good moms, that gave good gifts to their kids, you know, brought them up, gave them a good education and so forth. Doing a lot of good things. And yet Jesus said, well, you're evil, but yes, you can do good things. Yes, you have Uh, some good behavior, but it's still evil because it's not God. It's just man's good. We got to be able to separate man's good from God and not be confused about the two. People are fundamentally flawed in their spirit, on the inside, and they cannot redeem themselves. They cannot redeem themselves. Jeremiah, uh, Proverbs chapter 26, verse 23, and I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible. Proverbs 26, 23, it says, Like a common clay vessel covered with silver dross, making it appear silver, when it has no real value, are burning lips, murmuring, manipulative words, and a wicked heart. So here it's a common clay vessel, but it has silver dross on it, and so it has the appearance of having value, 
but it really is worthless. And though it has flattering speech and says all kinds of nice things, the words are manipulative, manipulative words, and they come, proceed from a wicked heart. So we need to know that about ourselves. We need to know that about ourselves, that if we yield to the old nature, the nature of the devil, we are, our good, though it might appear rich and spiritual and wonderful, it might even be filled with scriptures in the name of Jesus. But if it's proceeding forth from you, from selfishness, from your own self, and not a result of God flowing in and through you, it's wicked. It's a wicked thing. I grabbed this quote from my book that I had written called The Spirit-Led Church. I'm sure everybody has read it at least once. Most of you, I'm sure, read it two or three times. The Spirit-Led Church. And I wrote this. It says, many things in this world can change lives, but only the Holy Spirit can transform a life. Doctors have changed the lives of the sick. Psychiatrists have changed the lives of the downtrodden. And counselors have changed the lives of married couples. Stating that a church is changing lives does not necessarily mean that the church is any different from the self-help agencies of the world. Only the anointing of the Spirit destroys the works of Satan and sets people free from the inside out. See, we don't want to just be like the world. See, much of the church world has just become a lot like these self-help agencies of the world. Doing good deeds. Doing good things. And they've rejected the Holy Spirit. They've walked away from the tree of life. They've walked away from the power of God. And so they boast in how lives are being changed. But lives aren't supposed to be being changed in the church. They're supposed to be being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Their lives are supposed to be turned inside out so that the Christ that is in them is manifesting his glory upon and through them. That's how church is supposed to be functioning. Look into the Holy Spirit. Look into the Holy Spirit. Not look into the arm of the flesh. Not look into the help of man. But look into the power of God. We've got to see how futile it is to look to man for help. How vain, how empty, how worthless it is to look to others, to look to flesh for your answer. Friend, you and I need to draw near to God. We need to draw close to Him. We need to develop our relationship with Him. Because no matter how good we act, how good we behave, Romans the 8th chapter and in verse 7 says that the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God nor indeed can be. The carnal mind. It's at enmity 
with God. It hates and fights against God, and God hates and fights against it. They're contrary to each other, just like the devil is contrary to the Holy Spirit. Because the carnal mind is the nature of the devil. And he's good. He's a good devil. Did you know the devil's good? Don't turn off your internet. I'm not done yet. People take things out of context and run with it. But I got news for you tonight. The devil is good. He's angelic. But his good is evil. He is full of wisdom. But his wisdom will destroy your life. It will destroy the world. It will produce death. Death. His wisdom. There is a wisdom of this world. We don't want to follow the wisdom of this world. People will say, you know, if we just do this, if we follow this, you know, I've got this great idea. And if we just do this and we just do that, <clears throat> you know, we're going to be able to accomplish this and have that. Well, is that what God told you to do? Is the Spirit of God leading you to do that? See, well, it seems like a good idea. That isn't good enough. You need to yield to God. And thank God you can. Because Jesus came and he has reconnected us to the Father. He's reconnected us to God. And by the Holy Spirit, we are now one spirit with the Lord. Glory be to God. I'm telling you, we are complete in him. We are perfect in him. We have arrived in him. Now we just got to yield to him. Believe. And you do that by believing. You believe. Say, how do I, how can I yield to the Holy Spirit? Believe. Believe what? Believe the word. Let the word bring you into that relationship with God where you are abiding in him. So you begin to declare the word not as though it's some kind of formula to help get you somewhere with God, but You speak the word of God to stir up your faith so that you step into fellowship with him and are now yielding to him. And that word that you're declaring now is manifested through your life. And it comes to pass. God comes to pass through your life. So when you find yourself striving and struggling, dealing with the fear of man and wanting to measure up, And wanting to be perfect and wanting to just do everything right. That's the time to step back and declare, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Just like that branch in the vine. That's when the Bible talks about in him. It's in Christ. It's talking about like the branch in the vine. See, you're in him. You're abiding in him. And if you're in him, you'll bear that fruit. His life will come forth through you. Good will come out of you with no evil attached to it. So you declare, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This isn't some kind of bibbidi-bobbidi-boo formula to try to make something happen. No, it's already happened. You're just wanting to become aware of the reality of it so that you rest in believing in that reality so that that reality can flow out of you, can flow through your life. By whose stripes 
you were healed. You don't speak that to get it. People are declaring it to get it. They're declaring by his stripes I'm healed and then they die. Because they were trying to make it happen through their declaring it when in reality it's already happened. You're just declaring it to come into the reality that it's already happened. And when you step into faith, you're there. And we're there. And we're done. And we're no longer reacting to what we feel and what we see. But you have to work at that. You have to work at that. You have to work on meditating and thinking to just get yourself in a place where I'm resting in Jesus. I'm trusting in God. I believe this word. See? And we work and we labor to enter into that rest. To become conscious of this reality. That it's finished. It's done. I'm done. In fact, I'm totally done. Wouldn't that be nice just to be done? See, when Christians, re, when Christians get, when a person becomes a Christian and gets born again, they're to retire. I mean, think about it. As soon as you're born, you're retired. You just rest. Life's a vacation. Now, your biggest job right now is just realizing who you are, who he is in you, and rest in it. That's your, that's your biggest job. But it just starts with knowing that all you got to be is a good you. Easy. And God's got to be a good God. That's easy. Put them together. Wow. What a nice life. Can you say amen? That is a good, good, good life. Hallelujah. Man's good, like I said, is a counterfeit to God. People choose good in place of God. Although God is good, good is not God. That's why people get tripped up and it's, they're so easily deceived by good. Because God is good, but good is not God. God brings good, good doesn't bring God. All the good works in the world is not going to bring God any closer into your life. Think about how much people work, you know, to get God close to them, to them to get close to God. And they're just working, they're just working, 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 working to bring God. Good don't bring God. I said good don't bring God. Only God is good, so God already has to be there for there to be good because God is the one that's good. So then good flows forth from God being there. It's not you doing good to bring God. That's pride. It's arrogance. It's demonic. It's of the devil. It's fleshy. It's carnal. It's evil in the sight of God. And evil in our sight too. See, people get the cart before the horse. Now you think about that. You got this cart. Beautiful chariot. Right? Let's just, let's just call it a chariot, you know. 
Got beautiful wheels, rims. I mean, gold. I mean, it's just beautiful. Beautiful chariot. He got that cart. And somebody says, man, I need a horse. They bring in the royal horse, man. Royal horses. Here they come. Beautiful white horses come in. And so they tie the horse up behind the cart. Guy gets in the cart. Wee-haw! Let's go. How many people know? They ain't going anywhere. They got cart, chariot. They got horse. But they ain't going anywhere. Think about that. They got the chariot of chariots. They got the horse of horses. And he ain't going anywhere. Until somebody figures out they got the thing backwards. And they get the horse in front of the cart. Now, they're going somewhere fast. Now they're moving across the land faster than anybody else. Come on, somebody. See? All they had to do is get the thing turned around. That's what a lot of Christians just need to do. They just need to get the thing turned around. Stop doing good to get God, you little religious evil thing. And get God out in the forefront. Put God out in the front. Bless God. Don't chase after him. Just hook up to him. I mean, could you imagine that? Guy's got a horse and he's got the chariot. Grabs onto the chariot. Goes, get up! And the horse takes off. He starts running after the carry. He's got the cart and he's running after the horse. Trying to catch the horse, you know. You got a lot of Christians doing that. They get the thing turned around, but they don't hook up. And now they're running after the horse with the cart. I'm following you, Jesus. I'm following you, God. Just about wear you out thinking about it. That's why so many folks, when they finally fall on their bed at night, they're done. Because they've just fried themselves. Chasing after Jesus. Chasing after Jesus. Chasing, following, following Jesus. Following Jesus. Aren't we supposed to follow Jesus? Well, of course. The cart follows the horse. But the cart follows the horse being connected to the horse. Jesus is the connector. The Holy Ghost is the connector. We're connected to God. Come on, somebody. So we're following him, but he's pulling us. I said he's pulling us. You can't catch God any more than Charlie can catch the horse. That's why he always gets a Charlie horse. That's where they got the terminology, Charlie horse. It's painful. It's painful. Oh, I got a Charlie horse. Oh, my Lord. That's revelation to me. I never even thought of that. It came out of my mouth faster than I even thought of that one. Praise God. Now I know where Charlie horses came from. Charlie chasing after the horse. And it's a painful thing. My Lord. See, faith without works is dead. Yes? Faith without works is dead. But how many people know works without faith is doubly dead? It's doubly dead, see? 
See, a lot of folks, they got the works, but it's not proceeding from faith. It's not proceeding from the Father. It's not proceeding from the relationship with God. It's not proceeding from the life of the Holy Spirit that's flowing in and out and through them. No, no, no. It's coming from them. It's their works. And there's no faith. So, you know, you got these ditches. People fall into these ditches. They got works without faith. They got faith without works. Why don't we just get in the middle of the road? I said, why don't we just go ahead and get in the middle of the road and uh, yield to God, have faith in God, in other words, and works will follow. Works will. So when he's talking about, in James, he's talking about faith without works is dead. When he's talking about that, he's not telling people, go out and do works. You need to do more works. What he's telling them there is he says, your uh, cart has got disconnected. You're not hooked up. You're not hooked up to God. You're talking about Him. You're reading the Word. You're gathering together in church. You're doing all these things. But the fact that you don't have works shows that you are not abiding in Him. So the answer isn't go out and get works. The answer is abide in Him. Because if you have faith and abide in him, you will have works. Can you say amen? amen? So in life, we're not supposed to be choosing what seems to be right and rejecting what seems to be wrong. These aren't, this isn't what we choose. We choose God. That's what we choose. We choose God. That's why the Bible says in Psalms, it says, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't try to figure things out. Don't try to figure out what's good. He says, don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him that he's with you. Somebody say, God's with me. Always acknowledge that. Always acknowledge that. God's with me. You get around other people. God, they need God. They need what I have. They need you, Lord. They need God. Thank you, Lord, concerning this thing. I look to you. He says, you have not because you asked not. So, see, acknowledge him. Look to him. Ask him. And he'll establish your thoughts. He'll direct your steps. He'll take you in the way that's right. In everything. God never misses it. So why would you ever worry about missing it? See, we don't have to worry about missing it. God never misses it, so why would we? If we're yielding to Him, then we would never miss it. Well, you just, you just think you're perfect. You know, nobody's perfect. Well, that's why I said turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew, the fifth chapter. The title here, starting at verse 43, is love in my Bible. That's the title they gave. And uh, he says in verse 43, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Actually, that's not even in the original, the bless 
Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you. So he says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So notice how many people know God is love. Just like he's good. He loves. He's not this thing the world calls love. That thing they call love and they sing about it, that's not love. See, that's evil. That's man's love. That's man's good. But it falls way short of God. It's not God. God is love. So when he says, love your enemies, what's he saying? Yield to God. Yield to God. Let God love through you. Let God love through you. You know, what's, what's the first and greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all, with all, with all, with all. Which means there's nothing left over for anybody else. And then he has the audacity to turn around and say, love your neighbor as yourself. Say, Lord, I can't love my neighbor as myself. How can I love my neighbor? I'm loving you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. I don't have anything left over for anybody else. I've given it all to you. I'm loving him with all. Well, if you're loving him with all and not just some or sharing it with somebody else, then how are you going to love your neighbor? How's that going to happen? By letting the God whom you've given all your love to love with his love through you to your neighbor. So that it's no longer you who are loving, but it's God who's loving your enemies through you. See, it's God's love. The love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, God's love's been poured out into me. Because God is love. And he's in me. Yeah, so let him love through you. I'm trying to love them. Well, stop being in the flesh. Stop your trying. Stop your struggling. Stop trying to do something that you can't do. And let God do it through you. I'm not going to try to love them. In fact, I don't love any one of you. But the greater one on the inside of me is madly in love with all of you. You understand? See? So that he would lay my life down for your sake. See, he would do that. See, that's why Jesus, remember going back to the garden, not my will but your will be done. See, he didn't want to lay his life down. But the father laid Jesus' life down as Jesus yielded himself to the father. The father so loved the world through Jesus that he laid Jesus' life down as a sacrifice to save you and I. And it's the same for you and I. It's the father who will love through us. So you've heard it was said, you know, you shall love your neighbor and so forth and so on. Pray for those who love. Let God love your enemies through you. Pray, pray, pray. Talk to God about those who spitefully use you and persecute you. See, bring God into it. Bring God into it. Communicate with God. That's what prayer is. Communication with God. Communicate with God concerning those who persecute you. That you may be sons, because if it's just up to me, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to call fire out of heaven on somebody. (laughs) I don't like persecution. I think people are stupid that persecute the church. That's my personal opinion. I'm just telling you. 
But the Father, he's so patient. He's so patient. Praise God. Love through me, Jesus. Just know that you can't do it. Just let him do it. Somebody says, I've been married to this woman for 50 years. And I'm still struggling. Well, gee, it's no struggle for Jesus. Just let him love Martha. Just let him get in there and hug Martha and tell Martha, I love you, I love you. I can't stand you. You are so stupid. I just get... I would die for you, Margaret. Martha. Why did you say Margaret? I didn't mean Margaret. I meant Martha. (laughs) Oh, my. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? I like to say, uh, don't the mafia like to, don't even the mafia do the same? You know? The mafia, the godfather takes care of his boys. You understand what I'm saying? He loves Sonny. He's going to take care of Sonny. He's going to give good gifts to Sonny. Right? He's like a tax collector. Huh? You don't pay. We take care of things. All right? Pay your taxes. We don't break any bones, okay? (laughs) So if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Verse 48. Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. How can you be perfect just like your Father in heaven is perfect but letting the Father in heaven flow through you as you yield to his love and pray and acknowledge him in all your ways. Right? Just pray, acknowledge him and let him love through you. Let him love through you and uh, you'll be perfect. You'll be perfect. You'll be perfect, complete, entire, not lacking anything. As you rest in him and trust to him and look to him for everything. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Somebody say, I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. I believe it. Oh, pastor, I'm trying to believe it. Are you a believer? Huh? Believers believe, don't they? Yeah. So we're not trying to believe it, see? We even believe that, that we have the spirit of faith. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, we having the same spirit of faith. We have the same spirit of faith. See, we already have it. A lot of people think you got to get in the word to get faith. You don't get in the word to get faith. You get in the word to find out the faith you already have. That's why it's a mirror. You look in the mirror not to get something. You look in the mirror to see something. See what you already got. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. We already got it. We already got it. See, again, liken it to a mirror. The Word of God, it it shows us Jesus. But he calls it a mirror because it shows us us. Why? Because he and I, 
He and we are one. We're all one in Jesus. Wow. And we're there, and we have the love, we have the faith, we have the wisdom, we have the knowledge, we have the power, we have everything. It's already done. Glory be to God. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Can you say amen? Praise God. Why don't you arise? Get up. Get up. Give God a shout. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.